0: So, today we're chatting about, uh, I called it entrepreneurial disasters, although I don't know that it's really disasters, but it's tales from the field. And I know Ryan is one of your friends. So, I'm going to let you do the introduction while I catch my breath because I literally flew into my driveway as I was firing this up. Well, that's,
1: so, I, I love the advanced preparation that we put into this show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we did actually think about it, but I was like, I still had six more sets to go. And I'm like, Oh my god! I got I got in here late. Like I gotta go. Yeah, that explains
1: right? the Pink Floyd T-shirt then too. So sweet.
0: Yeah, right. I had to take the hoodie off because I was sweating so much. So anyway, <laughs> I'll yummy. let you do this while I catch my breath. Right, <laughs> guys. This is a, this is a classy show. This is, by the way, the Make More Keep More podcast, which is all about lifestyle and money and making more and keeping more of it. By the way, I have a great story to tell you guys about my entrepreneurial disaster, but. Did introduce your friend here. I've never met him before. So anyway, we'll do. Take so, it away.
1: so yeah, make more, keep more show. And one of the things that's interesting uh, before I introduce Ryan is interesting to me is that how um, some of our most popular episodes after the fact, you know, where they get downloaded on, on uh, all the everywhere there's podcasts, by the way. So if you also want to catch back episodes, you can go make more, make more, keep more show.com and catch all the back episodes. Uh, or you can just find us on itunes and everywhere else that there's podcasts um spotify and everything but the interesting thing is one of the most usually it's it's if you're talking about investments and market conditions and how to make money in a tough market those are really popular but our biggest most most popular episodes tend to always be about the entrepreneurial journey especially people turning their side hustle into their main hustle and the challenges that go along with that so Earlier this week, I had a chance to to, to spend some time. Uh, I had a call with Ryan last week, and that got me thinking, and I asked you, Ron, like, hey, what if we get Ryan on the show? Because his entrepreneurial journey is pretty cool. So I've known Ryan for, I figured out, about 15 years, I think now. No, a little more than that. Little, about 16 years, we've known each other. And his business partner and I have been really close friends um, for almost 20 years now. And uh, in fact, uh, his uh, business partner was the best man at my wedding. And Ryan also stood in my wedding, so uh, so we've known each other and, and been good friends for a long time. But what's interesting is is these guys had had an idea, which I'll let him talk about. Um, had an idea, and now it just ran with it and turned it into a business. And I think, like a lot of us, uh, that's that's really fun with this whole entrepreneurial journey. Is now you're into it a little bit and going. Oh my god, the stuff I didn't know I didn't know, right? Like and and actually interestingly enough Ryan's owned a business for a long time. He's a fourth generation construction business here in in uh the Los Angeles area, but this is a whole different ballgame. So, this is uh this is Ryan Rossi from uh Foldum Corp or Foldum, I guess you guys usually go by. What's the somebody just asked what's the website address? Is it Foldum Corp?
2: So, the website's foldum.com, F O L D U M.com, but all our social is at foldum corp.
1: Okay. Awesome.
2: Sweet. So, uh,
1: so again, we've known each other a long time. Um, Ryan has a. Have we most, actually, somebody the other day asked us, we were playing golf together with a buddy of mine, and he was like, well, like, tell me some stories. And Ryan went, they're mostly shenanigans. And that's, that's a really. <laughs> Oh, that website. Well, Foldem Foldem website or our website. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Um, so, uh, yeah, Ryan and I mostly our relationship is constituted one shenanigan to another. I think is probably sums up our friendship for the most part. But it's an interesting thing. So, tell us a little bit about what Foldem does, because this is this alone is
0: fascinating.
2: Well, they we are making the most cost effective rapidly transportable civilized housing space uh, on the market Uh, and that our goal is to mass produce them like cars make a a living space that's more civilized and secure than a tent and more durable and affordable than an rv and that space right there is a massive space and there's a ton of different applications that we've found over the last year of doing this that, that we didn't even think of from the beginning
1: Awesome. So interestingly enough, so Ron, to give you some perspective and everybody here, so you guys all see this most episodes. I do it from my little office. It's 120 square feet, which is the uh, exact amount that you're allowed to build without a permit. So that's why it's this way.
0: Um,
1: But Ryan's stuff is what is 150?
2: Yeah, our main ones are 150. And the reason for that exact size is because we're able to fold them down and fit 12 of them into one 40 foot high cube shipping container nice so these things literally come in flat and they expand
1: them out and you have a house like it's pretty crazy and ryan was telling me a story the other day about they dropped off one um uh somewhere dude Dude.
0: dude, i want one of those
1: i know right so yeah so adus for those of you familiar we've talked about real estate a lot on here before additional dwelling unit i think is what that stands for right auxiliary but auxiliary okay. either way i yeah it's funny i always thought it was additional <laughs> or auxiliary additional yeah.
0: I my there we today. go
1: auxiliary yeah. dwelling unit is it qualified? so mine doesn't have a bathroom it's just this 120 foot we'll call it shed um and but the ones that that come from Foldham actually have a little bathroom in them which is which is awesome so a lot of applications. Yeah, a lot of applications. Homeless, obviously a big problem in LA and a lot of other places as well. Uh, military applications for just, you know, putting them up and, and being able to do military housing. Um, disaster, right? Disaster relief. Because uh, they literally can truck them in. And that was the story he was telling me. Is they, he trucked one in recently to somebody, dropped it off the back of the truck, had it set up. The guy was watching Netflix in 20 minutes. From the literally the time when it was flat, so the guy was sitting in his living room watching netflix so solar watching the, co-
0: air watching the comments here right and i think he just sold five of them before we have even gotten into it so i'm in and
1: <laughs> and this is why i wanted to have him on this is what we started talking about cuz this i actually brought him up last week he was telling he was making fun of me cuz i brought him up twice in content this last week and he's like dude that was me wasn't it and i was like yeah it was um, the interesting thing is as an entrepreneur when you make that leap and this is what I want to get into, which I think was valuable for the audience. When you make that leap, things go awry. Not always in the wrong way, right? Like things just go differently. Like, did you have any expectation that that things would just, like the like five people on a thing
2: here would go like, I I'm I'm interested in your product right off the gate? So yeah, we started a year ago, and it was just a side project because we had extra ones and we wanted to sell them. So we were thinking, we'll sell these extra ones, make our money back and carry on with our lives. But the response that we've gotten every time we've talked about these, showed them to anyone has been overwhelming. And people are like, they need it on every level from the government level down to people wanting them in their backyards for their kids or or an Airbnb or their grandparents. And so we really had to shift gears in our thinking and realize that we can't make these one by one. We have to make them, mass produce them in order for us to make money, in order for it to make sense, in order to fill the void. Uh, You know, there's 500,000 homeless in the United States. There's 1.6 million people that get displaced every year by natural disasters. We watch the news, firefighters sleeping on the ground in the middle of fighting wildfires. And all, all these people doing disaster response, uh, okay. FEMA taking nine months to to get houses there. There's there's a, a massive uh, need for the this type of housing, and so we're we we're going from traditional construction contractors to trying to figure out how to be mass producers of uh, of these houses, and it's definitely a, a massive learning curve.
1: And a, and a perfect segue into what I was going to ask, and and Ron, I'm curious. You know, this is this is the great part of it. So your background must be in mass producing, manufacturing, uh, international purchasing, government contracts, sales, marketing, CEO, leadership. That's your background, right? Not at all. (laughs) What is your background?
2: (laughs) Yeah, just traditional construction. We did commercial and residential, so we understand how to build it. We understand how to get them permitted, but... Uh, as far as having the facilities i used to think that uh, uh, my family and i had uh, a lot of warehouse space but when it comes to building uh, these houses the amount of warehouse space we need is uh, hundreds of times bigger and so it's a whole different uh, ball game that uh, i'm i'm really relying on on other people and uh, industry experts to help us guide the way because it's uh, a, a lot of it is is new to us but but it's not complicated. It's not like building a computer or building a car. Uh, we understand the the nuts and bolts of building it, and we we know that once we start getting it in production mode, it's going to be more efficient and more cost effective. But getting from zero to one is the uh, uh, big learning curve.
0: Can I jump in here, Dominic? Before you do, real quickly, everybody listening to this that's thinking about starting an idea, this is. Notice my man Ryan here just passed the Gary Halbert test and Gary Halbert was a famous copywriter and he was a complete train wreck outside in his personal life. Hilarious, but an absolute disaster, but brilliant, probably the most brilliant copywriter of all time. And he would write a sales letter and he would take it down to the local bar, no focus groups, nothing like the local dive bar, and he would read it to them. And he knew if they said, oh, that's a really great idea, he had a disaster on his hands. I mean, like if they were like, oh, I want it. That's a great letter. That was the key disaster. When people were like, I want one of those. How can I get that? That's when he knew he had a winner. And notice with our idea, I'm like, I'm getting one of these. And I'm in line in front of all of you um, because I know Dominic who knows Ryan. But just a real interesting thing to keep in mind, if you're wondering if your idea is a good one, that is a really good test to go on, which is when you tell it to people, are they like, oh, that's a great idea? Eh, Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. When they're like, oh, dang, I want one of those. That's when you know you've got a great idea. Yeah, carry back,
1: back on. No, and I, and this is where I want to go with some of this stuff because there's a lot of things that Ryan's done really well, and and you know we've known each other a long time, so I can say this that he has no idea that he did well, and that's what's so great about some of this, right? And then some of it he's finding out he did really well, and some of it he's and then he made a key point also, which we'll come back to, is surround yourself with some people who know what they're doing because that's a that's a great way to get there. But it, you're right, like this whole concept, I've I've heard it termed as the pay certainty test is what it's called, right? Like, so go out there and sell a couple and see if people buy them before you go big time into it. So it sounds like you guys had bought some for your own purposes or had found a way, you know, need for these and then then had a few extra.
2: Yeah, we were working on a project here in Englewood and I was, my office was out of a shipping container. And for one reason or another, we couldn't get power to it so the AC couldn't get turned on and it was miserable being inside the thing. And so... (laughs) And I was paying every month for it, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, why am I paying all this money for this thing uh, when I hate being in it? I found these uh, people that made uh, the, these these uh, these units, and it was the same price to ship one over as it was to ship ten. And so I'm like, okay, I'll ship some extra. I'll turn around, fix them up, sell them, and 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 uh, um that's when i i made the mistake of giving it to travis zeman and he made it so nice that everybody uh, started drooling over him and now it's uh now we're quitting our day jobs
1: nice and i wanted to get to that point so this week i heard him talking so we're going to talk about investors we're going to talk about some of the challenge you've you know you know like the the interest from investors even in market conditions like this we're going to talk a little bit about some of the challenges you've had in sales or or just running into it even though sales are really good but what are the challenges because uh, this is sort of the, you know, make more, keep more show um, and get into some of that. But I, you, I did hear Ryan earlier this week, we played golf on Wednesday together. And I heard him earlier this week talking to an investor. And the I think the question probably was something to the effect of I couldn't hear that side of the conversation. But I'm guessing he asked you, like, well, how focused are you on this business? And Ryan is getting ready, wrapping up his four four generation construction business about to kind of, for all intents and purposes, shutter it the focus on this full time. And, and I think that's such a cool, talk about turning your side hustle into your main hustle, which we've talked about a lot on this show. And it's such a cool, uh, a cool place to be. But I would also imagine there's a fair bit of, um, uh, you know, trepidation, there a little bit of nervousness when you're giving up the
2: oh, surfing. Sure. it's like taking cruise control off and uh, start off roading.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> there you go. Good analogy. It is good analogy. a good
2: analogy
1: so it's interesting ron and i talk a lot about week after week we talk about market conditions obviously we all are well aware of what's going on in the market i don't i haven't even looked i don't know if it's up today or down today it was up yesterday so it's probably gonna be down (laughs) so uh, yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a nightmare it's all over the place and i think there's a lot of fear with people about starting a business in a market like this um or whether or not they're going to be able to get a hold of investors. What's been your experience with like the? Uh, I mean, ha- has has the investor well dried up, or what's been your experience with even though market conditions are tough?
2: Well, this is my first time trying to raise capital, and so I don't really have much to compare it to other than stories that you read about. And we have a pretty good team that we have with us that's helping, that's kind of already plugged in. And the things that I'm hearing from them is that, is that yes, they're a little bit of, of dragging their feet right now and kind of see maybe what the market's doing. And I think that a lot of times, uh, uh, most investors get more excited about like software as a service type thing uh, these days. And this uh, doing a hardware play is uh, something that they uh may generally stay away from, but I think everyone that we've talked to has recognized the need and recognized that this space of having affordable housing is is a massive um, uh, need. And so the conversations have have continued, uh, that, but yeah, the, the stories you hear about people um, getting funded uh, instantly, we haven't had that experience.
0: <laughs> so question, I have a question for you, where are you actually going to raise capital? Are you doing, we haven't really talked about this, Tom. Are you going to friends and family? Are you going to angel groups? What are you exactly doing, Ryan, to raise capital?
2: So, so far, uh, uh, my partner, Travis and I, we put up probably um, a quarter million dollars. And then uh, we've gone to friends and family and raised about the same amount. And then um, right now we have a, uh, several uh, private equity uh, firms uh, and venture capitalist firms that uh, we've uh, given our pitch deck to and started conversations with um and then we also have a, a couple potential joint ventures with other manufacturers that do th- similar things that want to get into the the market in the United States and so we're we're trying to to figure out what what's going to work best for us we're kind of looking for the lowest hanging fruit right now just to keep going but um, again, this is the first time I've done it. So I I didn't really have a checklist to follow. We've kind of just been uh, going after the recommendations of the people that we're working with.
1: Yeah, and that's an interesting point. So you know, I invest I know a couple of guys who are were, you know, investor types, and I introduced one of them. Um, And if you guys saw, I don't know what is going on at Ron's house right now, but it is loud. Um, So the
0: I'm trying to get some water because I'm dying of thirst, and I figured my AirPods (laughs) would always cancel that out.
1: Not what it sounded like, but. but. (laughs) And that was Ron using the toilet. No, uh, so uh, always something classy on the Make More, Keep More show. Um, But yeah, no, so I'm, uh, it's interesting because I, uh, one of the, if you guys watch any of my content on social media, I was talking about like strategic playing golf strategically this week. And, uh, that was one of the things that, that, uh, one of the strategic meetings I had this week was to introduce Ryan, uh, to a buddy of mine who does some really good in investing, uh, or does a lot of investing in companies. And it is interesting to start seeing that process of, you know, you get that initial rush of people, the friends and the family and things. Uh, but then his advice this week was, okay, don't be overly desperate to, uh, you know, take money that's coming in. Don't, don't be desperate to take every dollar that comes in. And that's really hard when you're starting up a company. Uh, And, and especially when you've been self-funded up to this point. And I think there was some, there's some good uh, learnings in there. Again, why I wanted to have Ryan on the show is some good learnings in there is, is, you know, people will throw some money at it. An investor will tell you like, oh, okay, I'll throw 10 grand at your business. But that's not really necessarily the meaningful money uh, that you could use, or could, or actually need uh, to really make a, a difference or an impact uh, on your business, and so that's the uh, that's the really kind of key piece there to me is is that patience, which is you know how hard is your patient or how hard is it to be patient when you're starting up that company? You know, I mean, it's just it's really it's really challenging. So those are some of the the, the things that are going on now. I mentioned you last week as you, uh, figured out, uh, I mentioned you last week during our show when it came to entrepreneurial challenges. And one of those challenges was now, now that you're getting people, people are interested in working with you, like actually coming on board, fold them and saying, Hey, how can we help this company? Um, you're going out to events and people are helping you work those events. And then people are saying and raising their hands and saying, I want some of these units. Uh, which is all like, those are positive problems to have, but what are some of the things you're seeing now that you're like, Oh my gosh, that I wasn't expecting that. Or I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't, I don't know what to do now. Tell us
2: some of the, like those challenges. Yeah. I forget what book it was, maybe the J curve or something like that, where they call this part of starting a business, the Valley of death. And I'm, I'm realizing why, because it's almost like everything is more difficult. Uh, we, have people interested and we have our crm growing almost a thousand people right now want a unit and there's literally not enough time for me to sit down and call them all back and we don't have a sales team, and we don't have uh, we don't have marketing set up, we don't have advertising set up, and yet just going from the ten shows that we went to over the last year, it's generated so much interest that and 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 our goal with those shows was kind of get a feel for what, what the market was going to be like, what we need to do, and and it did help us out a lot. We 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 pivoted several times, we changed the name of our company, we uh, our focus was going to be uh, business to consumer. A focus, but we we realize that uh, there there's so much more that we can do by do, being business to business and business to government, and so we shift that focus, and it, and so it, it like a, a, every little task that that has to be done uh, can't be done just by me. And so trying to get people to help out is a it's a nonstop juggling game. And we're really excited to get to the point where we have money in the bank. We can set up payroll and we can uh, turn what is a a handful of people doing uh, doing a dozen jobs each into actual uh, departments and teams. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, those challenges for some would feel like reasons not to do the business. Um, or, or I think those are, maybe that's not the way to put it. Let me, let me rephrase that. I think some, for some people, that's the type of stuff that scares people about going into, to a business of like, what if my idea isn't perfect or, or what if I don't have it all figured out or, or whatever. And I mean, to me, it sounds like that's almost the fun part of it, it you know, is like, oh, okay, well that's not going to work, but this set turns out it's going to be that much better. How, how much do you think that like, um, I mean, it sounds like you have to really
2: keep your ego out of it. It's true. In 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 your head, in my head, I visualize where I think things should go and how things should look and and the pace. And then reality sets in, and you get all this feedback, and you uh, have to uh, listen in order to uh, be successful. Uh, or because just because you think it has to go one way, uh, doesn't mean that that's going to work or that other people are going to like it. And so it, it it's, uh, it, it is, it's, you, you can't be, be fully married to any idea that you have. It's a, it's a, an interesting courtship with uh, starting a business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just for those of you who just joined, this is the make more keep more show and I'm Dominic. And our guest today is uh, Ryan Rossi. And for a good portion of the show, my co host hasn't been here, but that's okay.
0: I'm an eavesdropping, but I was. Dying of guys, I came from the gym today. I was dying of thirst. I hadn't got my my after workout shake in, so and I don't want to stunt my gains with a Z. So <laughs> I took care of all that off camera. Now I'm back amongst you guys. Back. But I'm going to turn just- my camera off while I drink my shake, so I don't distract you guys.
1: Oh, uh, you can drink your shake. Nobody cares. Uh, so I drink a shake usually on the show. So, uh, but I, yeah. Well, th- so this my- is this is the can make more. Make more, keep more show um, uh, with Ron Carruthers there in the pink Floyd shirt. And uh, I'm Dominic Cummins. Usually I'm the make more. He's the keep more. But as you probably watched 17 episodes into this, we talk about everything. Uh, and then our guest today is Ryan Rossi. Uh, if you want to fo- follow his company, it's at Foldem Corp at Foldem Corp uh, is it, the, uh, the, the the handle on all the on all the socials. Uh, if you will. And you can see some videos of how they set these things up, which they're pretty darn cool. And it's it's affordable housing is the short version of it. But um, uh, unit, you know, like, almost like this little office that I'm in here, but but with a little bathroom and things and doesn't need to be built. And actually, I think you could have done it for less money than I paid for this thing, which is pretty impressive. So um, but what we're talking about is the entrepreneurial journey. And and if you kind of tuning in late, what's interesting about it is you know Ryan is is we're talking through some of the challenges I think Ron called this the entrepreneurial disasters I certainly wouldn't say Foldham's a disaster but it's definitely been it certainly has has had its challenges right and what one of the things that he just talked about which I love so much and I think someone echoed it it's all you know in the the chat there it went by but you got to listen to that feedback and you got to keep your ego out of the equation because it's interesting to hear you guys, I didn't know that about it, but you guys started out like you were going to go business to consumer, like sell these to to people wanting an ADU, somebody who needs a, a little place to set up. And then you found, you know, got a bunch of feedback and find that, oh, wow, there's a massive market opportunity here that we could do elsewhere. And I think that that's really, I know for me, starting my business was hard when people would say like, oh, I don't, I don't know if that idea is going to work, but here's a different one. You're like, oh, but I, I was so sure it was going to work. But are there there are pieces of it where you've had to, you know, kind of ignore the naysayers, if if you will? Have there been situations where you've had to like somebody's gone like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And you're like, all right, well, I'm going to keep doing it anyway.
2: I think one of the biggest things is it's funny because we talked about it yesterday or two days ago is price. And everyone that looks at it that has a business background says your price is too low. You need to bring it up. And I, I think it, that that is one of our fundamental things that w- is going to to make us go from being a small business to a massive business that might go public, is that if we keep our prices it, it, at a point that the masses can afford, then uh, w- w- it, it might not be the, the most savvy business model uh, to, to start out with or to for a small business, but I, I think, personally, that that's what's going to take us to like beyond the next level. Um, and it is a challenge because everyone from my dad to my friends to financial advisors tell us to your me, price is too low. I yeah. was
1: one of those ones. <laughs> I sat the other day and told him his prices are too low. And I'm not quite ready to to, to uh, give up on that uh, thought process yet. So we'll have to have him back right or we're on in like, a I don't know, a year and see where we're at with whether or not he should have raised his prices or not. But but yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I, <laughs> I
0: just want I just want my shed before uh, he raises his prices. There you That's go. All I care about <laughs> every every
1: every buyer wants that.
0: <laughs> right?
1: He, he's do actually talking about lowering the right prices. <laughs> so
2: I do. Well, I I hey,
0: think real quick, real quickly though, Ryan. What I would say is, my grandpa was actually friends with Sam Walton before Walmart existed, and Sam Walton knew his place, which was. He was going to go to towns where there weren't a lot of things, put one store, everything under one roof, and it was going to be price driven. And that model works for him. Nordstrom really now has become a discount real- retailer because there's more Nordstrom racks than there are main stores. But Nordstrom was the total opposite end of the spectrum for normal people. And I worked there back in the 80s real briefly when they had a piano player and they'd bring stuff out to your car. I don't even know if they do that anymore. So the point is there's there's both ends of the market. And if your end is the lower end to mass produce and it works and your margins are met, great, maybe we come along and you do a higher end version of it later for the consumers that want you know, a little office. But there are both ends of the markets. That's my two cents on it. Absolutely. And Walmart, and Walmart makes money and Nordstrom makes money.
1: For sure. Um, so this entrepreneurial journey, so sales finding out getting people on there, you mentioned to me, I know we we talked a little bit about it. You were like, how do I pay these people if they sell a product? Right? Like those are, those are questions that, that come up on that. And I mean, what are, what are some of the other, what are some of the other ones that have just sort of caught you by like, Oh my goodness.
2: So, it, 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 it's all every aspect of the business and, and and trying to not put the cart before the horse. we are are looking at what other people are doing and seeing that you know having a lot of advertising, having a lot of marketing, people are are hungry for for this exact type of product, and yet you can get more people that are interested than you can actually perform and it's an interesting cycle where our our big potential clients they want to see us having uh, a facility and they want us to see us having the proof that we can that we can build but in order to be in that facility we need to have sales in order to have the sales we are having to go after the the one-offs the the customers that aren't going to be our main focus and so it it nothing's just falling into place. We're having to kind of uh, massage our way in uh, step by step in order to show all the elements in order for it to all fall into place. And that's a learning process. We, we kind of, you know, you sit down on paper and you think, okay, I'm going to order this many, I'm going to build them and I'm going to sell them. And then it turns out, no, uh, we're going to, some people want to lease them. Some people want to buy them by the thousand. Some people want them to fold down and fold up and some just one in one spot and have sewer and and a a concrete pad laid and they stay there forever. And so the, 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 the actual transaction to the customer turns into like a hundred different possible things. And they're all asking, well, what's your pricing? And the pricing is different for every one of those things. And so we're having, we're having to build all, uh, we're having to build everything at once. And, and the, the people that are selling it, we've got real estate agents that want to sell them. We've got contractors that want to sell them. We've got RV dealerships that want to sell them. And they're all like, okay, what's your pricing? What's your catalog? We're like, We're literally building it as we go. I'm out there snapping photos, putting them on Instagram, and then that goes into the catalog and we put a price on it. But the price that it is now, we're building it the most expensive way possible with uh, California labor uh, one at a time uh, out of our small 5,000 square foot warehouse. Very soon, we're going to be mechanizing it we're going to be mass producing them building 20 at a time and we're going to distribute the labor uh, by having warehouses in texas and florida and mexico and th- that way the price is going to be able to go down but uh, in, th- in the meantime we're doing it th- th- the most difficult way to build these things which is the traditional way uh, I-, I i love the illustration the other companies use all the time they say would you build a house uh, or would you build a car if somebody brought all the parts and put them on your driveway and build the car in your driveway, it wouldn't make nearly as much sense as building it in a factory on a assembly line. And the uh, same thing with, with a house, uh, it's the least efficient way to bring all the materials to your property and build it in place. And uh, and so we we're really anxious to get to that point, but to get to that point, we need the money and to get to the money, we need to have the customers, to have the customers, we need the product. And so we're, we're slowly trying to build up to be able to uh, do it in a more sane and efficient way. And I think this
1: is what, again, I thought interesting, you know, Ron, when you and I talked about bringing Ryan on, I think this is the fun part of it is I I think there's a part where, um, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, any business, again, the, 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 stuff that, that changes and the stuff that, that, you know, from the, from your, your concept, and then proving the concept, it doesn't just translate right into scaling a business. And I think where, I, if for those of you who are, you know, have contemplated your side hustle, or um, you know, you've got one, or or you want to start one, and you're thinking about, or you're starting a business, and or you're just stuck, I think it's it's sometimes it's fun when you get somebody who has, you know, it's it's interesting to listen to a story about Elon Musk. You know, regardless of your thoughts on Elon Musk and the Twitter situation. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear those stories where somebody's now worth a hundred billion dollars, or somebody—I'm not sure what that question was—but it referenced Mark Zuckerberg. But like, you know, those those are fascinating stories to listen to, but they're not realistic for the average person. And I think what's fascinating about having Ryan on is he's six months ahead of some of you, or a year ahead of some of you, right? Um. um and and I like that lovely CJP. Good to see you as always. But um, that's a good question. So I'll, we'll, we'll ask you in just a second here. But um, y- you know, that's the interesting thing is, is Ryan's in that process of still figuring this stuff out. And I think it's really, uh, in, uh, it's fascinating to hear that, that like, hey, Ryan can do this, like we established kind of early on. I mean, Ryan's, Ryan's a super smart dude. And, and Travis, his business partner is incredible when it comes to construction and engineering and things just brilliant mind for that. But yet these guys don't have that background, like in built and scaling a business and figuring out mass production and pricing at a, at a mass production level. And I think that's so awesome to just hear those stories and realize you can do it too. Like you if you're holding back, I'm hoping that this episode motivates some of you just to, to just to get going. So lovely cjp who's one of our regular listeners let me open it up also send it to me but she had a question is what when did you know it was time to bring more help into the operation to grow your business because it started with you and travis and probably you know travis's wife helping a little bit and stuff but but when did you start to say like oh wow we need to really start bringing more people in
2: yeah i think that we started uh, and we pretty much still are at the point where um because he has a construction company and I have a construction company, and we're using our our labor and our our office uh, staff from our construction companies to help us to grow this new company. And we kind of just, as we needed it, uh, they they helped us with certain things. Um, but now, well, basically, we did the Del Mar Fair, which was um, uh, about a month ago, and it was four weeks long, and we got hundreds and hundreds of people that wanted – units in their backyards in San Diego. And at that point, I was just like, this is just too much. We, we need to have someone else <laughs> on here. That's like following up on this. And so now we, we've got the guys going around, uh, measuring in people's backyards and making phone calls. And it, it, I mean, we, we have any, we've, we've been paying, uh, uh, our the, the guys that have helped us with the shows and help us build the production, um, prototype models from our construction company. But now we're to the point where we, we need to start uh, setting up a payroll and it has been a challenge. You sit down and you you make a, an Excel spreadsheet and say, okay, these are all the people that I need right now. And then you say, this is how many people I can afford. And so, and then you just, you, you, you try and dial it and say, okay, which, who do I really need? Who's the, the one I need the most? And it's like, because we have the construction part down um, that has kind of taken care of itself, but the parts that we don't excel at, Travis and I are not good at sales, and we're not going to sit down during our day and make phone calls and talk to people and do a customer service because in our heads, we don't think that's the best use of our time. And so that was one of our first uh, uh, people that we brought on board, someone that could help us with that, and it's it's helping us out a lot. We're 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 trying to sell our units, our ensuite units for twenty nine thousand, and this guy we brought on, he sold one for sixty four thousand dollars because he added so many bells and whistles and he had the time to sit there and listen to what the person wanted and just kept adding things to it. And we're like, great, like we we never would have done this on our own, yes, but this is so cru- so crucial. And so, it, it, literally, it wasn't a choice of 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 this is the person that I want. It just got to the point where this is absolutely the person we need. And now it's the point where he can't even do it all. He needs a team under him, and so we're we're growing at the rate that we can afford of the what money is in the bank and what orders that we have. And we're we're we, we still have a laundry list of people that we think we need, but we just can't afford them yet.
0: I have a quick question for you, Ryan. How many hours are you guys getting up, sleep a night? Would you estimate? And how many hours are you working on this today?
2: So it's 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 pretty full on. It's uh, if, if you ask me, I'd say, oh, it's, it's normal. I'm getting a normal amount of sleep and normal amount of work. If, right. you, if you ask my wife, she would say that I'm an absolute lunatic and, uh, need to cut back. But, um, I guess it's relative.
0: Got it. Are you having to use any trucker speed or anything like that to get through the, get through the day or anything?
2: No, I, 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 I know that when, when I go to bed at night, there's There's always like I I constantly say that my checklist never gets shorter. It's always getting longer. And I know when I go to sleep every night that there are are many things that I didn't get done that I really should have gotten done. But that's I I think from from being in construction, you realize if you sweat the small things, you'll go crazy Uh, because there's always going to be small things that are are unbuttoned and uh, and loose. Uh, if, you, if you're if you trying to micromanage uh, multiple construction projects at once, uh, you'll go insane.
0: You know, that's a really interesting point when you guys make the jump to entrepreneurism, particularly if you've come from a corporate background where maybe your checklist gets done every day and, you know, your meetings are on time and they're all nicely scheduled in your outlet calendar and you've got reminders and stuff. You start going on the entre- entrepreneurial and like Ryan just said, there's more stuff off And particularly in the early stages when a business is getting off the ground, that more stuff than ever going to get done. So you just have to prioritize and do the most important things. Let some of the other stuff slide till the next day or until you come along and clean it up well I, and i don't know dominic yeah. i think ryan might be using trucker speed on the side he looked a little guilty when i asked the question no judgment <laughs> ryan no judgment from me
1: no i've known ryan a long time uh energy is never an issue you two would if you were in the same room i'm fairly sure the room would implode so i uh yeah you two have the similar non-stop energy
0: it's not a show if we don't get to bring up trucker speed. I don't know
1: why. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, but I think there, there's a couple, one, one to, to, to piggyback on your last point. I mean, I always laugh when people are like, I'm at inbox zero. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have enough business. Um, I have a
0: hundred thousand, I have a hundred thousand unread emails in my Outlook. No, not from clients. I mean, I go through and prioritize a but just stuff I haven't even gotten around to deleting. It's like a hundred thousand nine
1: hundred and fourteen. Ryan really just awesome. showed me oh, his. Oh my it's, God. 253404 <laughs> There you go. Now mine isn't that bad anymore because I have Alessandra and she literally cleaned up my inbox like like what's what's awesome but then she went on vacation for a few days and I'm sure she really enjoyed coming back to see my inbox but um but yeah I mean I think that's the thing is you just have to I love that point of like don't sweat the small stuff and and then there are small details that you need to, that need to be Sweat. Uh but but sometimes you bring on somebody to do that, right? Um oh yeah, Lindsay's one of those inbox zero. I forgot that she's one of those people, but
0: <laughs>
1: but Lindsay wants more clients. So there you go. Uh so here here's Uncle I,
0: Tony's, hold on. We got Uncle Tony's in the house. I love that place. I gotta wave it then. Nice. Uncle Tony is awesome. Oh, well so, it's good to know. Anyway, in fact, I, have I haven't been there in a while. We gotta go down and go to Uncle Tony. I love that. If you guys are in Vista, Uncle Tony's is the best. Nice. So anyway, um, All right, keep going. But
1: I was going to say, I think what, a really great point and one that I want to emphasize for everybody who's either got a business right now, um, and, and this is a mistake I see a lot in like Lindsay's in, in my group. And so she'll know what I'm about to say or or will know it as soon as I say it, is you've got to let growth drive the need for employees. Don't let employees try to drive your growth. Like, it has to be in the right order. And I think that what Ryan is doing is really smart. Like, get some orders. Like, go down to the Del Mar Fair, or what do they call it these days? The San Diego something or other fair or whatever. Um, you know, the, that fair is, it, you went down there, you did that event. You you actually, I remember we were talking before just before the event. You were like, I may have to be there all the whole time. And then you found some people to kind of help you out a little bit with it. So you didn't have to be there every day for four weeks. But then out of that, you get 400, 500 people who say, not just leads, but people who are like, no, I want one of these. And then you start getting people to fulfill that because you absolutely can't do it by yourself. And I think what happens, I see, especially on the sales side, I get, you know, because that's my background. That's what I help people work with is on sales is I need to drive sales. So can you help me hire a salesperson? I go, well, do you have any sales right now? Uh, not many, but if I get a salesperson, I will. No, that's not how it works. Like it just doesn't work that way. What you need to do is figure out your lead flow, get people, you know, calling, people are reaching out to you, filling out web forms, whatever it might be. And then you use that growth to drive the need for a salesperson or other people. Because otherwise, you're just paying salaries and losing money right and left, and you're never going to be able to. To, to pick that up because employees don't drive growth unless there's already some growth there to to build on. I don't know what your thoughts, Ron, you, you, you huff like maybe you no, disagree.
0: No, 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 okay. all. I was just, I'm still catching my breath from working out. We did. I did have a question though. Totally agree with that. Chaz earlier, I think it was like Chad seven, six asked once you get a good salesperson mm-hmm. and maybe this isn't a question as much for Ryan as for you, Dominic, mm-hmm. we'll get back to you in a sec, Ryan. Um, anyway, um, how do you keep them? How do you keep them from leaving? Like, what are the ways? Or is that a whole other? Should we just make a whole other episode out of how to hire and keep good people?
1: We maybe, should do maybe, an episode. a minute. Yeah, I can answer it in a minute. But we should also do an episode because there's a there's a there's a yeah. short answer. Give and there's a short, long answer.
0: Give us the short version. And then we'll deal with the long answer. Ultimately,
1: what I just said is part of the deal of keeping salespeople. Um, salespeople in most cases, Uh, are they'll always say like, hey, man, as long as I have somebody to meet with, I'm going to close them. You'll hear salespeople say some sort of expression like just give me the at bat and I got this taken care of. What they're really saying is, yeah, as long as I get the opportunity to meet with people, I can close them, which is probably true. If you're not giving them the opportunity to close people, they're going to leave. That's one thing because they just got to be able to they got to be able to have success. Nobody likes being in a job where they suck. So you have to give them the lead flow. You have to give them the things to do to be able to be successful. You also have to give them way more than you think. And what kills a lot of um, uh, and what I call founder selling syndrome, which is, you know, I'll drop the herpes reference again, um, is the the, the, founder selling syndrome is the big issue (laughs) that people go. Yeah, I, I'm out here selling, so I'm I, you know, and I'm, I'm getting busy. So let me just hire a salesperson, and they'll figure it out. No, salespeople rarely just figure it out. And I know some of these salespeople are going to be like, "Oh yeah, I can figure it out." No, you can't. Stop lying. You you're good at it when you're fed what to do. And then we're great at it. I'm myself included. And so be prepared to give them scripts. Be prepared to give them all the stuff they need. Give them the tools. That's what to keep them around. If you don't do that, they leave. But we'll do a whole. We should do an episode on that. I actually have a whole series of stuff about how to hire, when you should hire your first salesperson, how to hire your salesperson, then obviously how to compensate them and how to keep them. Um, some stuff I'll be actually helping Ryan with here in the in the coming weeks. So we'll, we can do a whole episode around that for sure.
0: Beautiful. It's good. It. Okay, back to Ryan. What else do we need to ask Ryan in our 15 minutes remaining? By the way, for those of you that are just jumping on, before we get to that, this is the Make More, Keep More show. You can find all the back episodes at makemorekeepmoreshow.com or your favorite iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Um, And we basically talk about all things related to business and money with the occasional trucker speed or herpes reference thrown in just for good measure and to make sure you guys are staying awake. And today we've got Ryan, who has a company that's kind of in its early stages of blowing up. And um, by the way, I have a totally side question for Ryan. Were you down by, did you ever go over and talk to the Carradine's guys at the Del Mar Fair? They do like the barbecue, Bulls barbec- barbecues and like hot tubs and stuff like that. They take up, I think about a quarter to a third of one of the um Areas there? Did you ever bump into those guys?
2: Yeah, they were in the same O'Brien Hall that we were in.
0: Nice. Did you ever talk to Julian, their head guy, uh,
2: Mexican
0: Mexican dude?
2: Not, not that I know of. But uh, okay. w- go ahead. What's the question?
0: Oh no, I was just saying. Jul- Julian's a buddy of mine who works at Fair, the Orange County and the Del Mar Fair. He's the GM for Carradines, which does barbecues and hot tubs. And I know he, the first few years, basically lived there. It oh, was yeah. there 14, 16 hours a day while they were getting that going. The, the, so.
2: the, those guys, they work very hard, and yeah. I, was, I was really impressed with them. We didn't even want to do it. We had another guy that had the booth, and he wanted to fill it with something, and he knew about our product and just said, hey, can we drop off one of our houses there? And then he said, but I don't have anyone to staff it. So you have to go there and you have to be there too. And, th- but just seeing how these guys at the fair work, uh, 12 hour days for 21 days straight is intense. And then they pack everything up and they go to the next show. And
0: County then they'll go to LA, then they'll go up to Paso Robles. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: And so we're, we're so that's one of the things uh, in in line with your make more keep more is we are actively looking for partners to work with these guys at the fair we're going to be building them some houses that they're going to be taking to all the fairs so that we don't have to go and then they're they're going to be selling for us we're actively looking for people like real estate agents and contractors to, that they know the clients already they know the homeowners and they know that the market right I the statistic was that there was more. Real estate agents, and there were houses for sale at one point uh, in, the, okay. in the past few years, and and so they're they're looking for, and, and then people just now, in January, the Senate Bill Nine law passed that made these back houses uh, a lot easier to put in, a lot easier to be permitted in almost every city. And so a lot of people don't even aren't even aware of that, that they can do this uh, now because it used to be illegal. You used to not be able to have a container house in your backyard and, right. and the laws have changed. So educating people, people that, that are, are that that want to be a part of it were um, contact us. Uh, let us know because there's so many ways that uh, and, and then once we get our certifications lined up, these things can be financed. And so a homeowner can say, uh, put 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 some down like a one, two thousand dollars and then have like one. Two three hundred dollars a month payment, and if they're airbnb it, they can instantly be b- making money. So uh, y- using our houses to to put in people's backyards could be a, a whole business in itself. And we want people to make money, and we want to work with them because we know we can't do it all ourselves. And we wanna we want the tide to rise for everyone.
0: And I just got to point out that one of the number one things that I teach my clients is the tax rules were written for the self employed individual, and so having a business, any business opens up a whole door to tax savings that you don't have when you're just a W2 employee. So all of this ties back around. All right, Dominic, you can go, you go back, we got about 10 minutes, you can ask your your Friend, I think he's my friend now too. Yeah, I don't know. for sure. We can talk, about, we can talk about it later, Ryan, and, and discuss the level of our friendship. But what other questions do you want to get in? What other questions do you guys have for Ryan?
1: Yeah, definitely. If you guys have any questions, drop them in here. I just saw Andy Bockwell join, I invited him. That fool, right? He man, anyway, I'm kidding. Uh, I love Andy. He tried to kill me recently. He knows I'm allergic to shellfish, and then he made Thai food and, and yeah. actually literally handed me like lobster paste to put into my. Try to kill me, man. It's brutal. Um. Anyway, uh. No. I. So it's interesting. Actually, this reminded me, Ron, and you and I did an episode. I think season one, maybe like second or third episode, we did something about corporate structures. I didn't tell Ryan we were going to talk about this, but we're going to talk about it, Sticking Andy. Um. But the uh the it's interesting. So Ryan, you guys, you you're an S corp, right? Is that how I remember you're structured? Yes. Well, currently, we are. S corp. <laughs> And then he's been getting advice. Uh, oh, okay. We'll get a uh, lovely CJP. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that. I did want to talk about those. Uh, so thank you. Uh, then he got advice that he should be in a C-Corp because if he's going to take on investors, he would definitely need to be have a C-Corp, which you're, uh, you are the guy who actually knows these answers to this sort of thing.
0: Yeah. So an S-Corp allows you to take on up to 35, I think is the current number on it. And it's weird in the tax world. You always have to couch everything because they change it constantly. I think the code last time I looked it was eighty-one or eighty-two thousand pages. So it does kind of irritate me when Elizabeth Warren goes off on a rant about these evil corporations, like into it, and all the time it takes people, and they're breaking, they're scamming people out of billions of dollars. And it's like, lady, they're not the ones in charge of the code. That's you, you, and your people are in charge of the code, and you're the ones that make it so freaking complicated. However, if you're going to take investors, generally C Corporation is a better structure and it'll probably help you guys because you'll be able to stack up some, some losses in there that you can take later that you're going to need later as opposed to having them spun off to you guys personally each year. So yeah, I'd probably go C Corporation on that. But Ryan, if you ever want to talk offline about it you know where to find me Dominic knows how to find me well and as a so,
1: follow-up to that though it was interesting because we were sitting with a with a guy who who's pretty s- savvy on this stuff but he said he was like oh, I don't know because he's like then I think the double, the you have a you know everybody gets on a K1 or something and then you get double taxed because the corporation gets taxed and then individual investors do, get taxed
0: you, you do but but not as much as you think and in the early stages where there is no profit anyways necessarily even if you guys are banking cash, you've got all this built up kind of expenses and losses and things like that. So it's probably not gonna hurt you guys. And you can always we always like to marry the two. So we'll generally for our clients as they start to move up to the higher income levels. You know, like we got a client in New York right now that's netting a million and a half dollars on a on a you know showroom business. And so now we're gonna put a C corporation next to it or at least suggest it. Because now it becomes a second retirement plan for him, because he can keep money in there, have it taxed at twenty one percent rather than thirty seven or whatever the top tax rate is. Plus it hurts his other deductions. So I'm going way deep into the weeds, but we'll chat offline, but just realize that at some point you have to pay attention to this. But it's not the most important thing. The most important thing that Ryan did was have a thing that he came up with that people were like, get me one of those now. And then you can figure out the rest of it later. Um, the question we got from lovely CJP, by the way, Ryan was, what was the biggest mistake that you've made that you learned from and how would you do it differently?
2: So I I think the biggest mistakes we made were probably in the middle of them and trying to figure out which one's uh, the worst one. Uh, I, I think, I think, um, Everything's going slower than I want it to. And if I were to do everything again, I would probably talk with people like you and Dominic from day one. Uh, but we've been figuring it out as we go and dragging our feet and finishing our 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 construction uh, projects all at the same time and uh, but but I, I know that we're leaving so much on the table and we could be so further ahead if we would have done uh things faster and so uh, i don't know i I can't think of one thing right now that was like that was a bad idea but overall um i know that if 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 i would have been more diligent from the beginning we would be probably in multiple warehouses right now making thousands of units a day uh but it's just it hasn't worked that out that way so we're hoping to be that point next year
0: and you know what dominic i don't know your take on this but mine is it never does work out You know, you can go to school. One of the things I I teach all my employees is, you know, who went to school or maybe got tax license. And then we're like, yeah, what you learn in the books is great, but that's not the way the real world works. So we always start them really slow for a season. You know, make them do some pro bono work, make them do some stuff that they don't get paid for, because then they learn how the real world works. And the one thing for any of you guys that I would say who are looking to jump You know, and make a leap is you're not going to know everything at once, just as long as you try to learn fast and only make the same mistakes a couple of times before you figure it out. You're going to be fine as long as you don't get way too out in front. What's the saying? Don't get out too far over your skis. Um, But I don't even I know what that means, but I hear it used a lot. Bottom line is you figure this out as you go. Yeah. you know? And, and one other thing that Ryan said that I wanted to emphasize real quickly, and then I'll let you guys wrap up is he talked about, we're doing this and we're doing this, and we're kind of doing it all at once. And that is kind of the point when you're getting started is you do kind of, everything does become a 10 in some points where you have multiple things that have to get done. And even when he was talking about going for investors, he was like, well, we went here and we went here and we went here and we went here, which is really smart. He didn't wait for one thing to work out Ooh, it didn't work out okay let me go try the next thing because you just need to go fast and get some momentum going yeah what final words or what final question, dominic do you want to ask ryan or do you want to say as we begin to wrap this up here
1: well i just want to come on the back of that point i do think you make a great point i think one of the really smart things ryan's doing obviously the idea itself is pretty dang smart since you're going to buy one Um, but the, uh, and had I thought about it sooner, I probably would have put one in here. Actually, funny enough, had I known about the difference in the law, that's what the only reason that held us up from doing something bigger in this area for this office and maybe putting a bathroom in it was not knowing that the law makes it a lot easier to to put those in your backyard. But I think the smart thing that Ryan's doing, and this is just a great advice for everyone is he's letting the growth of the company drive the need for everything else. And I think that's such a smart thing. Don't don't go throw a ton of money at stuff um, to hope that it turns into sales, w- whereas he's allowing it to, um, you know, uh, the sales itself is to drive the need. And Lovely CJP does want to buy one for her mother-in-law when she visits. So that's a smart report.
0: What, CJ, what CJP didn't say is she lives on the edge of a cliff and she's going to put the house <laughs> right against them. I was going
1: to say, CJ, <laughs> Lovely
0: he lives in earthquake country. Yeah,
1: lovely (laughs) CJP was actually going to ask you if there's a way to put the the locks on the outside of the door. That's what she's asking for a custom version to to lock mother-in-law in. in. Um, So... uh, I wouldn't
0: do that. CJP, I feel you. I wouldn't have done... My current mother-in-law, Lover to death, but the first one... I don't
1: know. I would have had those thoughts. Uh, It's not my mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. It's my father-in-law. But anyway, um, so... Uh, but, um, uh, besides the make more, keep more show being your favorite podcast, where, where are you getting some, some, uh, uh, you know, offline advice, you know, without like hiring somebody where, where are you picking up some stuff, podcast books, what what were some things that are helping you out?
2: Yeah, I drive a lot. So I'm, uh, I think my favorite podcast is, uh, ours. But is yours? Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. Uh, and the one I've been listening to for a really long time is this week in startups with Jason Calacanis. Got great advice, and now he's doing the All In podcast, which is fascinating. Uh, but you know, it, books, uh, uh, all all the, all the new ones that come out about uh, starting companies and startups, they they all have uh, good advice, and so uh, I'm, I I just turn it on Audible and uh, and go. It's it's almost like. Every, every, everyone's got good advice. Um, but, and and you can't take it all, but the more you hear it, the more you kind of get in the mode of just like basically being out there and doing it and staying on top of things, uh, and you'll get stuff done. I love it.
0: Great point. Let's wrap this up, boys. Yep. Ryan, we appreciate having you so much on the show. Dominic, do you have any final words? We're going to get Ryan back on. If he doesn't mind in a year to see where he's at, Yeah, that'd be awesome. For six months. Yep. Um, dominic do you realize like football season starts in five or six weeks dude i can't that to look i
1: cannot to. wait are we going to opening day i mean i could call you and ask this but the audience is curious are we going to the rams game are we doing the opener Here we
0: are we are i found out i already got a tailgate for us to go to and i'm just trying to find out if my aunt who has a box with vince Ferragamo, former rams super bowl attending quarterback um If she's got room, if she can squeeze us in. So I'm trying to decide if we spend a little more money on the tickets. These are my treat, by the way, Dominic, since you provide the charters tickets. I refuse to give that filthy bastard Dean Spanos one dime of my money, uh, that carpetbagger. (laughs) So I'll buy these tickets, and uh, I don't mind giving um, Stan the money. Your local crack baby. He's late. We missed you. We missed you today. Yeah. Okay. We gotta wrap this up. Awesome. Ryan, we'll do it again next week, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I look forward to meeting you in person and getting me one of them fancy houses.
1: And if you uh, guys want to follow them and see what they're up to, it's at Foldum F O L D U M Corp C O R P. The at Foldum Corp is where that you can find Ryan and everything they're doing. And there's some cool little videos on them of setting up these units and some of the things that they're doing. So. Uh, I Can't think to check it out, watch out for this one. It could be it'll, it'll be huge. So it'd be awesome.
0: And don't forget back shows your local crack babies. If you missed it, you can go to make more keep more com, Spotify, Apple iTunes, all of that. All right, guys. So awesome. Pleasure as always. Take care. See you guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.